Ave Maria Radio and Renewal Ministries presents Fire on the Earth, a compelling look at the new evangelization through inspiring teachings, interviews, and testimonies. Welcome, friends, to Fire on the Earth. I'm Pete Burak, filling in for Peter Herbeck, not just today, but for this entire week. And I'm excited to have the opportunity to spend a little time with you all on this show. I've had the the opportunity over the last several years to be a guest on the show, so it's a little different to be here without Peter. Uh, Peter obviously is the boss and the one who's asked me to do this, and so I, I sit in this chair with a slight degree of trepidation to fill in the shoes for a great man of God, but also with excitement because I really feel like the Holy Spirit has put on my heart a message for this week. We're going to be looking at, throughout the course of the week, the basic understanding of discipleship, which I know has been covered over and over and over and over again, both on this show and in different papal documents. And there's so many resources out there to help you understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. But it's something that I've particularly been fascinated with since the Lord called me into full-time ministry back many years ago. And as I've studied it, as I've tried to live it myself, I've become more and more convinced that too often we consider this concept of discipleship as a methodology or a program or something that like the church does. And what I want to look at this week is not so much how we do discipleship or contextualizing it not so much as a methodology or a method or a kind of an aspect of the church, but I want to look at it more as the foundational understanding of what it means to walk with Jesus to be Catholic, to be filled with the Spirit, to be living in this church, to be created by God, to be walking through this life, and to be created for something, which is that final reward, that great union with God in heaven that we're made for and that we're walking towards. And so I want to unpack discipleship again, not so much as a how, but as a why and a what, so that we can live more and more in in the understanding of, how do I add discipleship to my life? But more like, I am a disciple. And everything I do, therefore, is part of the way the Lord is discipling me. And as we'll see as we go throughout the week, the way the Lord is commissioning me to disciple others. But the starting point of of all discipleship and the starting point of this conversation has to be, and where the topic of today is, it has to be on what has God done first? What we have to look at is not so much my response, which is foundational to living as a disciple, is responding, but responding to what? And what we're responding to is the great story, the great narrative of the gospel that is laid before us, that is offered to us, that then we have, through free will, the ability to either reject or submit to and say yes to and believe. And so the starting point of this is answering the question of what is my identity? Or the way we like to talk about it at Renewal Ministries is what is my deepest identity? And the reason this is so important is because the project of the world, and we're just going to put the world in that kind of that category, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We'll say the the story that is counter to the story of the kingdom. So if on one hand you have the story of the world, on the other hand you have the story of Jesus, the gospel, the kingdom, the church. The story of the world looks at us and invites us actually into a narrative that places us as the protagonist of our lives. The world saying, you are the star of the show. And in order to understand who you really are, you have to dive into and validate and recognize and ultimately express your feelings 
What do you feel about yourself? How do you analyze what's going on in your own heart? What are your desires? What are your dreams? What are your goals? How do you think you're made and what do you think you're made for? And the world's saying in order to, for you to be happy, you have to have the freedom to analyze those feelings, to validate those feelings, to celebrate those feelings, to bring those feelings into the world and let others validate, celebrate, and recognize them as well. So you see in the, the story of the world that we're inundated with everywhere around us, the, the story is you're the star. What do you think you're made for? Who do you think you are? And if you don't know, just look deep into your heart, look deep into yourself, and you'll be able to discover who you really are. And what that leads to, and, and Peter talks about this eloquently a lot on the show of just like what is going on in the world right now, but what that leads to is this self-determinist, narcissistic, consumer culture where we want to be free, we want to be happy, and we're told in order to be free and in order to be happy, we have to create for ourselves the meaning of life. And we have to be able to create for ourselves what we think is true. And as long as our truth is not too disruptive to somebody else's truth, as long as it doesn't impose too much on somebody else, it's good, it's right, and it's worth living through. But foundationally, if we're going to be called to live as disciples, if we're going to submit not to the story of the world, but to the story of the kingdom, to the biblical narrative, that story, that framework that I just laid out actually gets flipped on its head. Where as a disciple and as a Catholic, what I am approaching, and maybe better yet, is what is approaching me is the truth about who God is, what he has done, what he has made me for, and ultimately what he says about me. That the posture of a disciple, the deepest identity of a disciple is what has God said about me? What has he revealed about me? What has he bestowed upon me? What has he done for me? And why do I need that thing done? <laughs> because the story of the gospel is this rescue mission from God. The story of the world says you're good and you're, you're fine and you don't need a savior. The story of the gospel is uh, actually, yes, God created us. And in our initial creation, he looks at us and says, we're very good. You look at Genesis, he's like, good, 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 very good. You know, cows are good. Humanity is very good. But then all of a sudden, sin enters into the equation, doesn't it? Through disobedience, through pride, through a rejection of God's truth, through a redefinition of what we're made for. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, and then we've participated in this. Scripture tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And so now all of a sudden, even though we were created to be very good, to be in union and deep, intimate relationship with God. Sin has ruptured that relationship. And now what was once very good has become very bad. We are actually, Scripture tells us, born into this world under a curse. That we are born as sons and daughters of wrath, separated from God because of sin, and therefore destined for condemnation. Our destiny as we enter into this world because of this curse, because of sin, because of that rupture, our destiny is eternal separation from God. This is the truth about the human condition. 
This is why we need a savior. The good news is only good news if we understand and also believe the bad news. I'm going to say that again. The good news is only good news if we both understand and acknowledge the bad news. We don't stay in the bad news. We don't celebrate the bad news as the end of the story. In fact, the bad news gives way to, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever might believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus comes, he takes on the curse, he takes on the effect of the curse, the wages of sin and death, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. And so now Jesus comes into our mess, takes on the effect of that mess, even though he is the spotless victim. And he goes to the cross, and on the cross we see what sin and death lead to. And he then takes it to the grave. And if the story ends there, we're all a bunch of fools, aren't we? If the story ends with Jesus staying in the grave, then what are we believing? But that's not where the story ends. We know that three days later, he rises from the dead. He now has broken the power of sin and death. And now he has risen and he pours out his spirit on all those who believe. And now the power to move from sons and daughters of wrath to sons and daughters of God is possible through his spirit. And he establishes a church to perpetuate this transformation. He establishes the church to be the ship that carries us to eternal life. He establishes the church to be that structural institution perpetuation of the salvific work that he won for us on the cross and won through his resurrection. And he pours out his spirit. And now all those who receive that spirit, who come into agreement with what he's done, who are baptized, are now transformed our identity is no longer sons and daughters of wrath but we are sons and daughters of god and now our destiny is no longer hell it's heaven and we have a new life in him we have a new power source in him we have a new expectation on what would be the coherent way to live when you're son and daughter of wrath it only makes sense that you're bound by sin it only makes sense that the temptations of the world are too powerful to overcome because you're in the world but now Jesus is saying, I'm pulling you out of the world. I'm replacing the old man and creating a new creation in me. As St. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Listen to the way that Paul describes this in Colossians. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Here's the key point. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption. What is redemption? The forgiveness of sins. He goes on. You once were estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy, blameless, and irreproachable before him. This is the identity, the deepest identity of a disciple, is to, in faith, in perseverance, cooperate with and receive this new life that Jesus offers freely to all mankind. He desires that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants all nations to become disciples. And what it means to be a disciple is to be exposed to 
to encounter this story and this story, not just in the abstract, but in a person. And this person, Jesus, dwells not not only, again, in this kind of uh, nebulous wisp of smoke, like, where is Jesus? I can't really grab him. No, he dwells in his people. He dwells in the hearts of the church. He's the head of the church and we're his body to the earth. We represent him. We bring him to the world. And so the world encounters the truth of the gospel, both spoken and represented, encounters the truth of a living God who loves them. And then a disciple is somebody who says yes to that. There is no salvation by osmosis. You don't drift into the kingdom of heaven. You decide to say yes, to believe, to repent, and to receive a new life that then puts you on a path that was once wide and broad and easy and sinful. And this new path is narrow, hard, but glorious. Because we're walking with the Lord and he's leading us to a new inheritance. Because as Romans 8 tells us, that those of us who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. What's the deepest identity of a disciple of Jesus Christ? You're a child of God. You have been sanctified. You've been chosen. You've been set apart. You've been purified. You've been given a new inheritance through the outpouring of the Spirit. And that inheritance is Jesus's inheritance. And what is his inheritance? It's everything. Everything the Father has, he has given to the Son. And the Son says, I want to share that fullness of my life with all who want to walk with me, who believe in me, who love me, and who persevere with me. So that's what the deepest identity of a disciple is, and we're going to impact that over the next few days on Fire on the Earth. I'm Pete Burak, filling in for Peter Herbeck. Each program of Fire on the Earth with Peter Herbeck can be downloaded at AveMariaRadio.net and RenewalMinistries.net. Fire on the Earth is a production of Ave Maria Radio. Friends, I'd like to offer you my new booklet, Receiving Fire. Jesus said, I have come to cast fire on the earth, would that it were already ablaze. That fire is the purifying love that burns in the heart of Jesus. A fire of grace for those who receive it, but a fire of judgment for those who refuse it. If you'd like a copy of this free booklet, call 1-800-282-4789 or contact us on the web at renewalministries.net slash FOE. That's renewalministries.net slash FOE.